bad, bad addict. Um, every time I was able to get a loan, I was doing drugs. I've been in prison four times, twice in the state, twice in the fed. I was doing all this crazy stuff, cooking drugs and just staying high. God called me from a prison cell. I was a homeless drug addict and my hope was found in a needle. eight months pregnant, homeless, um, living out of my van. You know, it wasn't Freeway that saved me, it wasn't John Stroop that saved me, but God uses Freeway in such a mighty way as a tool to reach these people. There's not a community or a county in America that doesn't have a drug problem. And the, the church has the answer and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome to One Broken Life. My name is John Stroop with my special guest, Mike and Kim Estelle. Hi. Hi. Glad to have you guys today. Thanks for having Glad us. Glad to be here. So uh, if you've not watched One Broken Life before, One Broken Life is a production of Freeway Ministries. Uh, we explore the, the intimate details of people's lives. And so uh, we are going to explore the lives of Mike and Kim Estelle today. Uh, we, we, we believe that sometimes God's bigger, the, the bigger the mess, the bigger the message. Um, and there's a couple verses that we really like to um, kind of think about as we uh, explore uh, your lives and talk about the Lord and everything He's done. Uh, one of them is Psalms 51:17. It says that that God will not despise. It says the sacrifices of God are a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And it says God will not despise these things, right? And so uh, we come to God in our brokenness, and God uses broken things, right? And so yeah. um, Philippians 1:12, Paul says, uh, "Brethren, I want you to know the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel." And so we're going to explore your broken lives, where 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 you met the Lord, what you've been through, and then we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, your your life, what God has done for you, so you could further the gospel. And uh, today we're going to do that on this episode of One Broken Life. So thank you for opening up your lives. Thank you for giving us an opportunity uh, to to share share with people. And so as we kind of just talk through this together, uh, when did your drug use start? Uh, when I was fourteen. I started using um, meth and cooking meth um, pretty quickly after that. Um, I actually attempted suicide when I was 13 and woke up in the ICU and I was really angry that I was alive. I was very angry and I was going to make everybody sorry for for saving my life, you know, for putting me in the ICU and saving me. So um, my revenge sort of was if they told me not to do it, I was going to do it. They told me not to do drugs. I was going to do drugs. They told me not to run away. I ran away. They told me not to have sex. I had sex. They told me not to, you know, sneak out at night. I snuck out at night. So I, I was, I was living in total rebellion at that point. Um, I was just very angry. I'd gotten bullied and and uh, really just, I was just mad about it. <laughs> so. Okay. Mike, uh, I was fourteen. Fourteen started with uh, alcohol and then went to marijuana. And then at uh, 15, I tried meth for the first time. And once I, I tried that drug, I was instantly hooked. <clears throat> so uh, I honestly believe that, you know, I don't believe everything that sec secular society and science says about addiction. But one thing I do agree with is the maturity level of 
a person who starts using drugs, it says they say that you, you stop maturing. You stay at that maturity level, you know. And so a lot of times we see people uh, that come through our ministry that are, you know, 40 years old, 30 years old. They started using drugs when they were 12. Yeah. And maturity, mature-wise, mentally they're stuck at that age, and part of discipleship is to raise them up and mature them. So they, they and we, you know, we don't have enough time to talk about all that, but um, so you guys both started very young at, at the same age, at 14 years old. Um, so how long today uh, have you been clean and sober? Uh, six years. Okay. So it would be uh, October 17th will be 10 years for me. Awesome. So 16 years between you, right? Um, so how long had you guys been on drugs before you got clean and sober? How long from 14 to when? Uh, 27 years for me. Um, off and on for 22 years. Okay. So. And so uh, what brought you, as we talk about sobriety, and there's a lot to talk about, but, um, you know, what brought you to your place of brokenness from where you were, you know, that 14-year-old suicidal teenage girl, you know, 20 years of addiction, meth, and everything that's involved in that lifestyle, you know, for both of you really. Uh, but finally you came to that broken place, right, to where you were ready to surrender and and, uh, and really were, were done and ready to change. What brought you to that place? Um, well, when I was 22, my son died um, in a tragic accident. His dresser fell over on top of him and killed him. And I found him dead under his dresser. And um, I was using at that point still in my life off and on. Um, but um, when I found him, I did CPR and all these things, and he still passed away. And um, my ex-husband was extremely abusive. He um, liked to tell people that I killed his son and all these horrible things. And um, it wasn't true, but um, I actually found refuge at a church um, at that time and was surrounded by people who loved me because I wasn't getting that from my immediate family and people around me. Um, <clears throat> so I actually got sober for a little bit and um, I was sober for, well, I say sober off street drugs. <laughs> I was still drinking and doing prescription meds, but um, my doctor was prescribing them and I, was, I wasn't you know, drinking excessively, but I was still not completely sober. Um, I got back into the drug scene about five or six years after I got you know, street sober. Um, and it was because my ex-husband um, had, he kidnapped me and he's, he was threatening to kill, he told everybody he was gonna kill me. And it kind of just broke me. I felt like, what's the point of being sober and trying so hard when he's just out to kill me, <laughs> you know? And he's got this plotted plan to kill me and he ended up going to prison for attempted murder on me and, um, I actually got scared that he was going to get out, and whenever um, he got out, I, I assumed he was going to come back and try to finish me off. So I went and found somebody who was a little crazier than him and um, to try to protect me, you know, because I figured he was going to come after me and I needed protection. So um, I got into the heroin world, 
and um, there was a lot of horrible things that went with that world. There was a lot of robbing, a lot of gang initiations, a lot of um, trafficking and violence and um, things that you can't unsee or unhear, you know. So um, it really traumatized me, and I really didn't want to live anymore. Um, I OD'd three times. Um, we ended up getting raided, and the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms kicked us in for uh, guns and stuff. Um, and it got to the point where I just broke, and my uh, ex-boyfriend that I was with to protect me went to prison, and I was just homeless and on the streets and going from trap house to trap house to just stay off sick, and um, my family had pretty much nothing to do with me, and, and my kids were taken from DFS, and um, I really just wanted to die. That was my point of brokenness. Um, I called out to God. I was... Um, actually pulling up a shot and just remember very clearly in a trap house thinking, God, if, if you have a purpose for me, you're going to have to do it because I'm, I'm done. I'm over. I'm over living. I'm over all of it. And um, I asked him to prove it to me. <laughs> you know, like, if you're alive, prove it to me. You know, if you're real, prove it. And um, a month later, we got our door kicked in again. And um, it was in that moment where I realized it was about a month before I, I immediately remembered getting arrested and thinking of that when I asked God to prove it to me. And um, I was in jail for 30 days in the hole. And um, when they finally released me, I was sober and went to treatment. And, and that's when we got a hold of you guys at Freeway. Amen. Yeah. What about you, Mike? So what got me to the place? Tell us about that broken place that... Uh, what brought you to that broken place where you were finally done? Well, um, well, I, uh, I went to prison my first time. I turned 17 in the, in the county jail waiting to turn 18 so I could go to prison. And then uh, once I did that, it just started a cycle. Uh, I'd go to prison, uh, get out for a month, month and a half, and obviously uh, commit another crime, pee dirty, you know, go back to prison, and then... Um, through that process, you know, six years uh, incarcerated, uh, two inpatient drug treatments, two failed marriages, uh, two, uh, uh, two, um, two children uh, that, uh, you know, that uh, two, two of my sons that I wasn't a part of their life because I chose drugs over a relationship with them. And then, uh, and then uh, you just fast forward. And so that, that was from uh, so 17 and until I was uh, 42, and uh, and when I was 42, a couple weeks before I got arrested, um, I had realized that everything that I I had been chasing up to that point was right in front of me. I learned how to make meth. I I didn't have to go anybody uh, to go anywhere or to 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 go through anybody to get what I desperately wanted and that was that drug, and uh, I was in a bedroom and I'll never forget it. You know, it's the windows all blacked out and you know I'm thinking SWAT's going to kick in my door, or the helicopters are going to repel SWAT agents through the roof and all that stuff that goes along with it. But I remember looking over at the 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 pile of meth I just made and I realized in that moment that. Everything that I had, I had been chasing since actually I started doing drugs since I was 15, everything that I had chased all my life was right there before me. And then the next feeling that came over me uh, was the thought of, is I'm going to die this way? And then the very next thought was, is, is the hopelessness uh, 
that I felt because I, I thought to myself, man, I had been chasing this for 27 years and I got what I thought was going to bring me happiness and fulfillment and satisfaction. And then I realized, no, it's not. It, it, it could never do that. And so, so similar to what my wife said, um, uh, I just I always knew there was uh, a God. Um, and I just never thought that God would want to do have anything to do with a man like Mike Estelle because of everything that I had done in my life. And, uh, and so I called out the best way I knew how and just, just asked God, hey, you know, um, I can't stop. I want to stop. I can't stop. I hate who I am. I can't change who I am. And uh, I, if you care about me, you're going to have to intervene in my life. And two weeks later, I got arrested, and um, I went to jail and slept for three or four days. Uh, and then, you know, ate my first meal. And, and then uh, two older gentlemen would come into the jail about every two weeks. And um, it was the very first time that I ever hear, heard a clear gospel presentation that Jesus came in the world to actually to seek and to save the lost, people like me, like everyone that's born in this world. And that, uh, that there's nobody so far gone that Jesus can't save, forgive, and change. And, um, and so the best way I knew how, I, I just listened to those men that would come in every couple of weeks. I'd just lay there on my bunk, and I'd digest what they said. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't grow up in church. Uh, and the best I knew how, I called out to God on that bunk and asked him, you know, to save me and forgive me. And, and, uh, and I don't know the words I said. Uh, I couldn't even tell you the day and the time I did it, but it, there, was a, there was a change in me. And uh, so when you say what brought you to that point, um, well, obviously God had a lot of patience and long-suffering towards me, but just a, just a life of, I don't know, I, I call it being a slug. Amen. And God let me live long enough to, to realize the way I was living was a slug. And, it, uh, and, then, and I got to a place where I didn't feel like I had anywhere else to go. And that was the spot where he, he got a hold of me. How old were you? Forty two. How old were you how old were you, Cam? I was thirty six. Okay. So uh, I was I was thirty years old when I went to prison. Uh, and I was thirty one ish, I don't know, when I got out. And um, and so it's it's interesting, you know, the age in the thirties and the forties and uh, it's it's fun funny when you think about it because you really feel like your life is over, yeah. you know. But yeah. It's really not Absolutely. even started yet. Yeah, amen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the devil lies to us. And uh, I remember when I was on the run, and and uh, I never had a license. I hadn't been able to legally drive in 10 years when I got my license. Uh, I had to be on the, you know, the state, I had to be on the SR-22 insurance, two DWIs in one month, you know, just crazy, riding while revokes. And uh, when I was on the run, without license, driving somebody else's car, getting dope for people. I remember driving down the highway one time. I take you to the place I was at, and I had an arm out the window, and I was feeling the breeze in my arms, you know, because I was going to get some dope for somebody. I thought I was feeling pretty good that day, you know? Yeah. And I thought, man, this is why I'm not turning myself in. I'm free, you know? But I wasn't free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, I was, I was yeah. a prisoner, man. And uh, I thought my life my life is almost, you know, my life is over, and I've lived, I've lived so long, but... It was all a lie, and uh, you come to that place, right, where you surrender to God, and yeah. and you realize, man, I want to live. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Uh, let me, can I share this with you this morning? Oh, yeah. I, I looked it up. And just it goes it goes along with everything that we're talking about, and it's Psalms 107, and, uh, and it says in verse 10, it says, "Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons." Amen. That's us, right? That's who we were, enslaved, right, to sin, enslaved to addiction, enslaved to everything that we're doing. But then he says, if you go to verse 13, uh, verse 13, he goes, "Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble." And he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. Amen. And I'm just like, man, I, I think Brother Rick Lechner shared that verse with me yeah. a long time ago, uh, many years ago. And it has always stuck with me because that describes who I was before Christ. And it and it describes what God did when he came to me and saved me and changed me. It's beautiful. Beautiful yeah, it scripture. Um, you know. So you guys are both locked up. You know, I tell people all the time, I didn't get arrested, I got rescued. Amen. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I'm very thankful for the handcuffs. And I'm very thankful for the police officers that took the time to chase me down and arrest me, you know, risk yeah. their lives to catch me all them times. And yep. and uh, if it wasn't for jail, I'd be dead. And, That's right. uh, me too. You know, I remember one time I was walking down the road, there was a dope house in the west side of, of Jeff City. And the west side used to be the, the kind of the ritzier side. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but it's not anymore. But anyway, a place called Westview Heights, and uh, and there was a dope house on the corner there, a couple on that street. And I was trying to make it to the dope house before I, you know, because I, I didn't want nobody to see me. It's dark. I was high. I've been up for days. You know, I had some dope. I was wanting to get high. And this cop rolled up on me, and he rolled his window down. And he said, "Hey, I don't want to find you dead out of here. You're mm -hmm. gonna, you're gonna die if you don't get some help. You know, and." Uh, so if it wasn't for the jail cell, none of us would be here today. That's right. You know. Amen, John. I, yeah. I can tell you, I, I, the only sobriety I ever had is when I got locked up. Yeah. And then when I was in prison, I, I was using, I, mean, I never had six so months sobriety, even going in and out of prison. Can't I, quit jail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amen. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't quit. Yeah. I, I, I tell people all the time, you know, there ain't no drive-by shootings. There ain't no accidental. They're not going to break, get a break in an entering, get killed. Yeah. They're not going to die in a car crash. They're not right. going to be drunk driving. Yep. They're going to eat, and they're going to sleep. Don't bond them out. Yeah. Let them sit there, yeah. you know? Uh, anyways, get me started on that. But uh, so, so you're both in jail. Uh Let's talk about. And I have some other questions I want to ask you, but we'll, we'll kind of save those. But uh, so you apply for the. How did you guys get into the freeway program? Um, my brother-in-law, uh, Brian Anderson, actually drove transportation for you guys. From he goes to Crossway, and he was driving transportation for freeway for a long time. So he actually. Um, I always say that him and my sister prayed me out of hell because they were the ones that uh, they got saved first in our family. And after that, my parents started coming. And then next thing you know, I'm in jail and <laughs> crying out to the Lord, you know. So I always I always say that Brian and, and Kinsey, they, they, they prayed me out of hell. And um, they, he got me into to contact with Sharla Stroop, um, the women's director for Freeway Ministries. And she, uh, she got a hold of me in treatment and said that she had accepted my application. So it, was, it wasn't a very long process. It, wasn't, um, it, it, it was definitely worth every second of it. Um, I was biting at the bit there for a little bit, wondering if I was getting in or not. But the Lord already knew. He had already opened that door and was just waiting for me to walk through it. So um, that's how I got I got in because I went from treatment to 
the house. So. Amen. Yeah. What year was that? 2018. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Mike? So, uh, so I was, uh, 2014, um, I'd, uh, went to court and, uh, realized that, uh, God was going to let me out of that jail. And, uh, I was scared to death because I had nowhere to go, but the dope house. So I'm in there and, uh, you know, and I'm expressing myself with the other people I'm locked up with. And uh, I, I don't even know the gentleman's first name now, but he told me about you. About, about He said, hey, there's this guy named John Stroop and, and uh, he's got tats on his neck and he was ex-crack addict and God saved him and changed him and he's preaching the gospel. He's in Springfield. And so he, he said, I got his number. And so, and so, okay. And I said, great. And so I... I took that number, and then um, when they released me, I went to court one day. They released me, and and they were actually booking me out, and and so I I set, was sitting in the lobby, uh, trying to figure out how and I can get a ride from Marshfield to Springfield, and uh, so I called my my mom and my stepdad, and and uh, and anyway, uh, my mom wasn't allowed to come pick me up because my stepdad hated my guts. Uh, because of what I put my mother through, which you know, by right he should have been, and so anyway, I had uh, I had my I had given my mom uh, your number, I think is how it went down, and she called you, and uh, I think you talked to my stepdad too, and he said, <laughs> he told you a few choice things like don't help him out, and and uh, he's he's no good. And then uh, you gave the message to my mom to just get down to Springfield to uh, Victory Mission, get there, and we'll go from there. Can I interrupt you? Yeah. So your, uh, your mom wanted me to go pick you up from Marshfield Jail. Okay. And uh, she was still trying to enable you from her house. Okay. And, uh, and I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I said, he... Uh, he could find a way to march to freeway or to uh, victory mission. I'll meet him. And uh, she's like, I said, how did he go get his drugs, ma'am? Did you take him? He found a way. <laughs> yeah. I said, he can find yeah. a way if he's serious. Amen. So anyway. Well, on the, on that note, so as I, you know, as I'm using the lobby phone in, uh, in the sheriff's office, uh, the jail, um, you know, uh, you know, she's told me what you said. I, you got to find a way to get to Victory Mission in Springfield. And um, and so as I'm having that conversation, a gentleman is walking by me, and uh, he overhears um, uh, my dilemma, and I'm trying to get to Springfield. And uh, and he said, hey, are, are you Mike Estelle? And I said, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he goes, well, my son is locked up in there with you in the jail. His name's Tanner. And he said that you've taken really good care of him. He said, I live in Bolivar. I live the, I'm going the other direction. But he goes, he goes, if you don't mind, you can hop in with us. I'll take my wife home to let our kids get off the school bus and I'll take you to, to Springfield to Victory Mission. And sure enough, he did. And then I, I met you there for the first time. And then you took me to Sonic and I had a supersonic cheeseburger <laughs> let me yeah. just say this to my friends who are listening <laughs> and watching if you've never if you've never taken someone from a jail cell fresh out first time stepping out of jail prison got their little box got their stuff 
if you've never had the opportunity to pick someone up and take them for a greasy cheeseburger, a chocolate shake, and a and a and a big order of French fries, just just the sheer excitement <laughs> and uh, the look uh, and the pleasure of watching someone eat a cheeseburger after they've been incarcerated—a real cheeseburger. That's right. Greasy <laughs> cheeseburger yeah. and a chocolate shake, yeah. and the look on their face, just yeah. like the pleasure they get. I mean, it's it's almost entertaining. Yeah, uh, you know, and you never forget that person who did that for you either. No, you know, I'll never forget it. We had that cheeseburger. I've told that story at least a hundred times. Yeah, and then uh, and then I gave you a Bible. You gave me uh, you gave me uh, a commentary commentary on First John, uh, yep. First, Second, and Third John by I think it was by Calvin. I think it was Wearsby. Wearsby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. I've never given anyone a John Calvin commentary. So okay. Yeah. Sorry. But uh, so so anyways, you, you, you go to the mission. Yep. And uh, you tell me, uh, you say, hey, uh, you know, I don't got time to mess around. If you're, if you're in, uh, I will uh, I'll come pick you up every time the church doors are open. But if you burn me, I'm out. I don't got time for it. And you did that. And then uh, – and then – uh, you picked me up. I remember my first service at Crossway uh, Baptist Church, walking up to Pastor Eddie after he preached a sermon on Wednesday night, and I'm wearing a pair of bib overalls that are triple X. <laughs> could have put me and well, we could put all three of us in those overalls, you know. And uh, I just went up on stage and told Pastor Eddie I really appreciate his, his message, and I'm sure he's thinking, like, who in the world is this guy? <laughs> but... And then, uh, and then through that process, uh, the first uh, men's discipleship house opened up on Broadway, and then, uh, and then uh, you guys asked if I was interested in doing that, and obviously I was, and so I'd got a job there in Victory Mission, and I just moved my stuff over, and and yep, and then started from there and stayed in the program uh, a little less than two years, eighteen months. Yeah. So. Tell us about your first day in the woman's house. What was it like when you entered the first week? Oh, it was um, exciting, and I didn't know what to expect because I'd never asked for help before, you know. So um, I had no idea what was going to happen. And it, I had a hard time adjusting just because I didn't know what was going to, what I could expect from the house. And I never trusted anybody before. And you have this criminal mentality on the street of girls hate girls. And so I was really nervous about going into the house. Um, but I was so pleasantly surprised that it was nothing like what I thought it would be. It was everything that um, I had never had before. So it was um, role models. It was women who wanted to pour into you. It was um, girls who had walked the same you know, type of walk, maybe not exactly the same, but the same sort of things they've gone through, and and they wanted to share their heart with you, and they wanted to to be there when you cried, and be there when you laughed, and they wanted to go to church with you, and and teach you how to live. And um, Ashley Wilson was my uh, house leader, um, and she did an amazing job. And uh, a couple months after 
she was over at the Broadway house. She decides she's leaving. And um, Sharla made me a house leader. <laughs> it was kind of kind of nerve-wracking, but uh, we figured it out. So um, it, was, it helped me grow in the Lord. Um, we were there every time the church doors were open together. Um, we did discipleship. I had a one-on-one -on -one discipleship mentor, Janice Rather, and she was fantastic. Um, the woman's like a walking encyclopedia of the Bible. And um, she just poured her entire life into me for the next year. And um, if I sat here for the next 30 minutes, I couldn't list every single woman who poured into me for that year. It was amazing. It was life-changing. And I think one of the things that people need to know is, you know, uh, the discipleship aspect of what we do is, you know, we're just doing what the Bible says. I mean, it's not anything yeah. new. It's biblical. Uh, you know, younger women teaching older older women teaching younger women, older men teaching younger men. Uh, having that mentor, you know, the first 30 days in the program, you're supposed to get a mentor, someone to disciple you, walk yes. through life with you. You work, you pay your bills, you know, you, you become that productive citizen. Uh, you don't commit crime. You don't act like a criminal. You're, you're only, not only your sobriety is addressed, but also your behavior, uh, yeah. you know, and your, in your character and how you carry yourself. That accountability, you know, yes. is, is very, very important. And so you both graduate the program. Uh, you've got some family restoration that's taken place in both your lives. Yes. You guys are both trusted now. Uh, you both head off to Bible college, correct? Yes. Okay. So obviously you're here together. Your last name's the same. So something happened, right? <laughs> uh, uh, so, um, you know, just to kind of save a little bit of time, you know, you, Mike, you graduated Bible college. Yep. Kim, you're still in the process, right? Yes. Um, so how? tell us how you guys met. I mean, walk us through that. You want me to tell? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so we um, uh, volunteer uh, freeway banquet is when I first met Kim. And uh, when I met her, it, that was in March uh, of 2019. That'd be right. Yeah, 2019. You better get it right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, I got the I got the marriage date right. Okay. And all that, so I got that right. What date is it? January 4th. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. I, I, I know who married us, too. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't Pee Wee Herman, hey, was it? No, no. Hey, okay, hey, good. Hey, hey, hey. So, so anyway, we met, uh, yeah, at the Volunteer Freeway Banquet in March, and then uh, I was, I was uh, finishing up my exams for um, uh, biblical counseling. I met Kim for... Like just I don't know, like a minute or a minute and a half, and uh, I looked at her and like my heart wanted to beat out of its chest. And then she came over and talked to me because somebody else was talking to me or whatever. And and uh, anyway, I, I went home that night and I I just uh, I just asked the Lord. I said, you know, if she could be the one, I'm not going to pursue her. I'm not going to inquire about her. I'm not going to do anything. You're going to have to bring her back around to me, Lord, because. Um, I just have a lot going on right now, and I can't, uh, so you're going to have to do it. So that was uh, in March, and then uh, we, Save Our City, happened at BBC in September. And um, and so the first day that uh, Save Our City is, I ain't going to lie, I was hoping I would run into her. And sure enough, I walked down to, to the bottom of the field house, and there she is. And then from that moment there, um I inquired about her and made sure that you know that uh, she is the real deal, and I know she did the same about me. But once I knew that, I 
I asked her to, to uh, a movie. Yeah, that's what I was, a movie. Coffee. Coffee. It was coffee. Uh, it was coffee that ended up being a movie. Coffee, <laughs> movie, and then uh, Ziggy's for waffles. Uh, whatever I can do to spend time with yeah. it. Yeah, pretty and, much. And then, you want to go have ice cream after that or what? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, and then within uh, one month, I uh, proposed. And then two months later, we were we were married. Mm-hmm. Yeah, January 4th, 2020. Wow. So you guys are married now. That's right. Share a week of your life together with us. What's it like now? I mean, you're, you know, the drug trafficking, uh, uh, homelessness, the meth cooking, the hopelessness, the suicide, the wanting to die. And now you're in Bible college meeting somebody and uh, now you're married. Um, tell us what life like, li- what's a week life of life like for you guys? What's it like? Well, um, ministry is um, discipleship and ministry. We carry everything that we learned in the program over into our home and in our marriage and um, we spend time with our families and, and we hang out with our kids and we go to the movies and we laugh and we talk about the Bible and, um, you know, we get to go to church and he gets to pastor a church and I get to encourage him and, and listen to him talk about God's word. And um, we now see people coming up to ask and us and asking us for advice, the same advice we were asking other people at one time, you know, and it's just really great to be able to see all of your pain turned into a greater purpose, you know, and for God to use that for his glory. And it really, um, it makes you realize just how um, sovereign he is. He's over all of it, you know, and um, just watching uh, him preach and and, uh, I get to pour into women and I work up here at Freeway now and and I'm surrounded by people who love and care about me, and I can I can trust people, and and um, we we do life together. You know, we walk alongside each other and hold each other accountable, and we all mess up, and when we do, we get corrected and we move on. You know, so it's it's life. It's it's an amazing life, and um, we carry the same um, the same things that we all learned um, in the house over mm-hmm. into our house at home. So um, yeah, that's. A week in our life is that ditto for you yeah yeah, yeah. i mean uh we we uh it, it's really good like uh i never had what we have together because i never had christ as the foundation of our marriage mm-hmm. and so i uh, i mean actually you know every day we live it's like we experience something we've never experienced before because our whole marriage has been something that's never been before and uh, I know what God demands and, and and expects, and 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 through that process, you know, I know where I also fail and get back up and have to seek forgiveness and get back after it. But I love that, um, you know, that I realize, you know, from Scripture and that, uh, you know, the way God made us, that He He gave us someone to compliment us, to share, to make us better at what He's called each one of us to do, and that's my wife. Like um, we get to do ministry together and life together, and and uh, I can't imagine my life, you know, without her. Amen. So you guys have a perfect marriage then? <laughs> no, 
No, no. You guys ever fight? No, we're two sinners in the same house, so it's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we fight. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I normally win. Clean fights. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We have, uh, what do you call it? Intense uh, fellowship. That's right. Pastor yeah. Eddie. That's quote right. Him, that's his quote. Yeah. I yeah. steal it from him, but yeah. he stole it from somebody else. That's how it goes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have intense fellowship. Amen. We don't fight. We have intense fellowship. And that's kind of leading to my next question, you know. Uh, what's it like being married when you come from, for you guys, coming from addiction and crime and, you know, this, uh, this worldly perspective? Because... Um, Let's just face it, right? Um, we come from flight or fight. Uh, we come from that background of immaturity, and, and I call it relational immaturity. You know, it's uh, it's I hate you, I love you, I hate you, I love you. You don't even really know how to have a healthy relationship, and um, you never really handle conflict because of your immaturity. You you know, like a little kid, you, you either hit them uh, like a little kid does, uh, or you just walk off mad and never go back. And um, so now... You're, you're in a bond uh, covenant with God. And so um, uh, and so now you're together and you can't hit each other and you can't quit and you can't run and you got to deal with it. So so what's that like? Did you hear that? You can't hit me. You're not supposed to hit me. <laughs> you looked a little I don't hit him, okay? Yeah. I, was I, wondering, I was wondering oh what happened to your face. Yeah. No. no, just that way. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah. funny. We don't joke about abuse here at Freeway Ministries. Uh, no. It's a, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, I forgot what the question was now. Oh my goodness, <laughs> what's it like? What's it like uh, uh, I mean, dealing with conflict? I mean, how how do you guys handle that? The beautiful thing thing about everything that's going on in our lives is is we're exposed to the Word every day of our lives, and uh, uh, through our own personal and then what God's uh, uh, equipped and, and called us to do. And through that, uh, through all of that, even when we fail, the part of it is coming back to the table and saying, "Look, I know what I did here, so I'm asking you, to please forgive me for for what I did because this is what God's word said, and this is where I fell short." And uh, and the good thing about Kim and myself, we don't we don't uh, uh, we don't hold grudges. Is that we, we, you, and the frog in your pocket, or is that we, you, and Kim? Me and Kim. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And yes. I always said that God knew I needed a therapist, and I couldn't afford the bills. So my husband's a biblical counselor, so he gave me a living therapist. So yeah, that's that's beautiful. Isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> you guys are you guys balance each other out. Yeah, you yeah. know it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, so you guys left, you know, just kind of a just so our people will know that are listening. Um, you guys both graduated the program. Mike, you took Freeway Marshfield. You were the you were the director there. Um, Kim walked beside you in that. Yep. Uh, and then you guys left for Rapid City, South Dakota, and you did that ministry there. You overseeing the women's home, and mm-hmm. uh, you overseeing the ministry there uh, as the director of Freeway, South Dakota, and you fulfilled your commitment. Yep. And you came back, and so now you are the associate pastor. You want to give your church a plug? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're looking for a church to, to belong to, uh, we're at uh, we're Crossbridge Baptist Church in Marshfield. Uh, we're located at 302 South Clay Street. Our pastor's Jeff Mann. Uh, he's solid as they come. And uh, and what's a beautiful thing about Jeff is, is he preaches God's word, and uh, he lives it out to the best of his ability in his life. He admits when he falls short, and he never asks you to do anything. He's not living out himself. Yeah. 
And so it's a good place to get plugged into. Um, the church is growing. God's growing the church. People are getting saved. People are getting discipled. Uh, we have uh, the Freeway Men's House there, those guys that are plugged in there, and which we are extremely grateful to have. And then we have uh, the Women's House that we just um, we just purchased, and, uh, and my wife is getting it up and running, and we accept our first client the uh, 25th of this month. And so my wife's going to head that up. And so just, it's exciting. It's just, uh, it's exciting to be back here um, with, uh, with our family. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And so you're, you are the director of the Women's House. For Marshfield. For Marshfield. Yes. And you are on staff here at Freeway Ministries. Yes, sir. So I get to see you every day. Almost. Every day. Uh, it is a great day for you every day. She hides in the corner. She's doing her thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, constantly going so proud of you both Uh, so let's just as we kind of wrap up here um, what's what's it like I mean for you guys I know for me like I literally pinch myself about every day and I can't believe I get to do this you know we had uh, we was out last night hanging out a little bit at the house and uh, even this morning I sat on the porch as a storm came and just talk to God and just thanking him, you know, looking around. And I'm like, man, I can't believe this is my life, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get to do this every day. And, uh, you know, I'm able to be funded and taken care of by people who give to the ministry so I can do this full time as a living. And so God literally is providing for our family in every way. And so what's it like for you guys? How do you feel about this, mm-hmm. uh, being in ministry? I can't believe I'm saved, honestly. I can't believe God, you know, foresaw all this and knew that he was going to save me one day, even through all the stuff that I did and all the things that I, the horrible things that I've done. I, I can't, I, I've never gotten over it. I've never gotten over the fact that he saved me and um, that he didn't just save me, but he saved me and then he put me on a solid foundation and then he surrounds me with people who love and care about me and, and he gave me a purpose and, and, pinching myself yeah definitely every single day <laughs> I, I just cannot believe it what about you Mike same yeah if we stop long enough to um, think about it you know uh, but you know being an associate pastor and a biblical counselor you know uh, you often run into people um, that are going through a lot of issues and problems and then you think back and you say wait a minute you know, let me look at my life, and then you say, man, and then you see God's hand all over it, and he has provided for for yeah. our family uh, over and over Abundant. and over and is today. Like um, we, uh, you know, God knows we don't need much, and uh, and we're sure not spending $300 a day on a dope habit, you know what I mean? Right. So so he's given us the freedom to be able to, to do the most important thing that, that anybody could ever do in this world, and that's share Jesus. And so that's why I love the shower trailer ministry. That's why I love uh, being a part of the church and the ministry of Freeway and and being a counselor uh, with God's Word. It's just all these avenues, all these ministries, all these things that God allows us to do is to point people to Him. That's right. And when you know, and so so going back to that, just reflecting back and saying, man. I just, you know, like I said, every day is a new day. I never thought that, um, that uh, you know, I'd have, uh, we'd have a bank account and good credit and, and be able to do what we want if we want to do it. And, um, 
I mean, you know, to a person that was enslaved all his life to, to drugs, they never knew where the next dollar was coming from, probably from me stealing it from someone else, you know, or something. Well, when I picked you up uh, from the mission, your stepdad did call me, and uh, he was, he, you know, your mom called me and said he found a ride. And uh, I was like, sure enough, he did, didn't he? <laughs> and your stepdad calls me, probably not in front of your mom. And uh, and he was just, you know, in, in to his defense, he, he he thought that's who you were. You had a track record, you know. But he didn't. I don't think he really got the power of God. Yeah. You know, Jesus was delivering that guy, that mute guy. He, there was a guy in Luke 11, and I'm, I'm building a sermon called "Stuck in Neutral." And uh, and Jesus said, "You got to be for me or against me." You know, you can't be neutral. Mm, and right. uh, and uh, he delivered this man of this this mute man, and he spoke for the very first time. And uh, and I just that just that thought, you know. And they were all most most of the people marveled. They were blown away. And then you had the other crowd, and they were uh, they said that Jesus was in league with Satan. And then the other one, the other group said, "So is a sign testing him." You know, and they were both not good. Right. And, uh, Jesus goes into the defense of, you know, how, what happened. And he's like, it doesn't even make sense. You know, the kingdom of Satan wouldn't fight against himself, you know. And, and, uh, and he, says, he says it was done by the finger of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Luke 11, the finger of God. And it's the same finger that, um, that wrote those commandments. It's the same finger that, uh, that delivered the plagues mm. to Amen. Egypt. It's the same finger that split the Red Sea. That's right. Is the same finger that delivered you to, Amen. The same finger that delivered me, the power of God, and uh, and your 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 stepdad didn't get it, and um, and he told me he said, you know, Mike is gonna steal from you. He's gonna lie. I don't believe if he's breathing, he's lying. You know, <laughs> he'll steal the gold <laughs> filling out of your teeth. And the more he talked about you, the more I said, yeah, you know. <laughs> This guy's an underdog. Yeah. My type of person. You know, the bigger the mess, the bigger the message, you know. And Amen. and uh, he was wrong about you, brother. And I will say this, that, uh, you know, he's dad now. So God, God, I mean, he didn't restore a relationship. He made a relationship that wasn't even there. Yeah. And, uh, and nor could it have been what it is without him. It's hard to, it's hard to believe somebody like us can change without the finger of God. Yeah. Because it's impossible. Yeah. So if you really don't get the power of God, then you can, how can you believe we can be changed? That's right. So I Amen. tell people, don't be mad because people doubt you. Yeah. You got that coming. Yeah. You right. know, you were a terrorist, man. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. stole from him. You yeah. lied to him. Yeah. He may be a little negative. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, rightfully so. So share your biggest burden with us as we close here. Uh, what's your biggest burden today? Uh, just just having enough time. Um, like, uh, it's easy to be, uh, spread thin, uh, in ministry and, uh, and, and, but on the other hand of it is, is I sold myself out for a dope bag and would do whatever I had to in order to, to get that. Well, which is not anything good at all. And then, uh, now, like, uh, I know. I know the message, the one true message, the greatest message that, that ever was or ever will be, and that Jesus is willing to save people today just like he's always been saving people from the beginning. And, uh, and so the burden is, is getting that message out there 
um, to everyone uh, out there, even the ones that are not willing to listen, just so that they know. That's the burden. Yeah. Amen. How about you? Just um, for women uh, like me who have been through um, abuse and neglect and beaten, raped, trafficked on drugs, all these things that goes with all the things the world thinks is okay and and glorifies. And um, just um, trying to help any way I can, really, and for my family and to keep that reunification process going with my kids and um, just just to um, share the gospel with them because that's what changed me, so I know it can change anybody. And um, there's a lot of hopelessness out there, and, and there is hope, and his name's Jesus Christ, you know. So it's just a matter of getting the message message out and being the messenger. So, so this is my favorite question. Are you guys happy? Yes. Yeah. You got yeah. joy today? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. What brings you joy, Kim? Jesus. It sounds like a cliche, but it's true. If I go too long without reading the word or without being in prayer, I'm miserable again. <laughs> I'm right back. You know, like I'm, I'm just not a happy, outgoing person. But, you know, you can go through all the emotions with your happiness and sadness, and you can still remain joyful in the Lord. And um, that connection that I have with the Lord, nobody can take that. You know, it's, it's solid. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just already what the joy comes from what we already have in him. Amen. And, uh, and what's awaiting for us, you know, uh, down the road. And so he's coming back. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Well, I appreciate you guys joining me and opening up your lives and letting people look in and, and learn. And maybe when they see that person walking down the street with a shopping cart. That's right. Uh, they may not uh, be so quick to throw a stone at them, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you guys can change and I can change, anyone can change. Anyone. So if you've, if you've enjoyed this, uh, this episode of One Broken Life, uh, you can continue to help us reach the hard to reach of the gospel. It's a production of Freeway Ministries. You can go to freeway-ministries.com and you can become a monthly supporter or a one-time giver. Uh, you can also share our podcast uh, with your friends, um, with whatever you listen to, whether it's Spotify or Apple or Podbean or even YouTube. Uh, so we can get the message out. So I want to thank you for helping us and, and joining us, and hopefully we'll see you next time at One Broken Life.